everyone, and welcome to Play on K, the Korean drama podcast with Emily and Raquel. And this is the show where we take a K-drama, we watch it two episodes at a time, and then we get together here every week to talk about it. Yeah, this week we started a new K-drama. We watched the first two episodes of Reply 1988. Yeah, thank you to our patrons for voting on this one. Our, our, our votes are done on Patreon for our happy award winners. And here we are. Thank you to everyone who's recommended this over the years. So it got put on that poll because um, this is a classic. This is one of the all-time most popular K-dramas. And we're finally watching it. Yeah, I'm I'm so excited. Uh, and I mentioned kind of in our pre, momentarily in our pre uh, episode ramble that we post on Patreon. But um, uh, I'll say it here again. I I knew that it was going to be good. I was really excited to see it. But then I, while I was watching it, I started to understand the hype because it's so charming and so perfectly. I wasn't alive in 1988, but I feel the nostalgia for everything that's happening. Right. And the little world that they live in is so, it's very Wonder Years vibe that I enjoy immensely. And as the youngest, uh, not only the youngest child in my family, but the youngest cousin growing up on the side of my family that I spent most of my time with, like the cousins I spent most of my time with, I was the baby. And so I got exposed to a lot of stuff that was popular in the late 80s, because even though I was born in the early 90s, my cousins were really into, you know, the the things that were going on in the late 80s and early 90s before I was cognizant and ready to take interest in things. And so when they were still into those things, I got to be exposed to them. And so it's different because I obviously like grew up in the States and was exposed to more like stateside stuff. I still get like there's moments where I'm like, oh, God, that is so nostalgic. Like, my, my <laughs> heart, like, aches for a time that I wasn't even alive for in a country that I've never been to. <laughs> 100%. That's the vibe. I think even from the first title sequence, they get you in that mood where you, you just want to be there. You want to be in that moment with these people. And then the pacing of this show is so perfect. It's some of the most perfect pacing I've ever seen in any show, where they do such a good job of dragging out the moments that you want to be a part of and skipping a few days here and there where it's like, you don't need to see every little thing, but you want to. Yeah. But you don't have to. And it, oh, it's just so good. I love it. I love, I love this it one. too. I did wonder I there were a couple of parts that I felt like I missed or like I I had maybe I hadn't read them right where uh I did not know where Park Bogum's character had gone for the first solid amount of time. I was like, is he not in the neighborhood? Because we saw them at his, they, we saw them leave his house in the neighborhood, but he just has not showed up. Uh, he's not That's at school. Fair. He continues to not be at school, which I thought was also very, very interesting. That he's like a like a prodigy, like a go prodigy that doesn't do school because he's already specialized in what he does. And is Baduk the same as Go? 
Um, I didn't look it up. I'm not sure. Let me, I mean, I've got a computer right here, I guess. Well, yeah. If you Google buttock, or I don't use Google, I use Ecosia. But uh, <laughs> it just brought up, like, I looked up buttock, and it brought up Go. So I guess they're the same. They're the same game. Wow. I did not know that. But, um, yeah, I think I only knew from the description of the show where it went through what what this little show was going to be about. And it was like, and there's one of them who dropped out of school to be a professional buttock player. So he's, uh, yeah, I guess it didn't matter to me that he wasn't around but also, I was just trying to get my bearings. There are a lot of people. It's very Encanto in the first couple episodes where you're just like, wow, there's a lot of characters on screen right now. But there's no little song to introduce them all. So you just kind of got to go with the flow. Yeah. Like, who's related to who? I don't know. I'm just going to I'm gonna wait for more context. <laughs> I'm going to keep waiting. And it's actually really good if you just keep taking people away and hiding them. <laughs> send some people out of the country send like the dude with the glasses they didn't give us context for his home life for most of these two episodes everyone oh, else yeah. we were in the home we were seeing the moms what are they doing what are the dads doing this dude with glasses they're like and i guess he also lives here and his dad also lives here yeah and his dad is also the dean of students but you won't find that out for a while after you first see the Dean of Students. And also, if you're Raquel, you almost missed that. You almost missed that. He had to, like, call him dad, like, three times when they got caught at the movie theater before he was like, like, actual dad? Or is that just, is he trying to, like, soften the, oh, no, he's like, don't come home tonight. I think that's his actual dad. Okay, <laughs> I, I got it. I made yeah. it. <laughs> I think I got it when... We went through the jean jacket fiasco, and the mom was like, send me this guy's dad. Put Or she says, hello, this guy's dad, to the principal, to the dean of students. And she's like, put my son on the phone. And I was like, so that must be her neighbor's kid? Or her neighbor's <laughs> dad? Dad. I, the neighbor kid's dad? Huh. The neighbor kid's dad. You got it. <laughs> You caught on super early then. You caught on, I didn't know his name. It had been too long since they had showed, like, they had said his name. And so That's I didn't. That's fair. I did so take I was, careful notes on all the names because there are, again, a lot of people. And I was like, so we're doing a podcast. I'm going to have to know at least these five characters' names. So I wrote down Dong Dong, who's got the hardest name. Which is probably why I recognized it when she said it. Yeah. Oh my yeah, god, though. <gasps> Can I tell you a little fun fact? This is maybe bonus episode content, but I thought it was really funny when Duxon made the joke about her brother looking 40, even though he's 16. <laughs> and I was like, I wonder how old all these people are. And her, the actor who plays her brother, is nine years older than her. <laughs> he is significantly older than than that woman and uh she's the youngest and then park bogum is a year older than her but that like their ages are just wild they have cast wildly different aged people to play all these characters because then we have go kyung pyo who plays sun woo we saw him in our last drama so we knew that he was born in 1990 he's 
three years older than Park Bo Gum. And I feel like that's a reasonable distance. That's a reasonable, like, but these two can play 18-year-olds. That's fine. Then we go for <laughs> Jung Hwan, who played the soccer player, the hot soccer player. He was born in 86. And the dude uh, with glasses, Dong Nyung, was born in 85. Almost, again, 10 years older than Dok Son. Which starts to feel like, this is Greece. You guys are being <laughs> unreasonable yeah. with asking us yeah. to believe these are all 18-year-old children. Stop casting 30-year-olds. It's okay to cast 18-year-olds as 18-year-olds. It's okay if we don't have fully grown adults cast as 18-year-olds. And I, I'm i like, you can cast 25-year-olds. You can cast 23-year-olds. I get it. You might yeah. be like, we don't want to work with actual children. Like, no offense to 18-year-olds. I just want you to be a protected group. And I think Hollywood kind of freaks me out, even if it's in Korea. So yeah. we don't need 18-year-olds on set. Just keep them, keep them protected. Um, yeah. But uh, nobody's going to be mad at a 23-year-old playing an 18-year-old. Yeah, it's also one of those things where, uh, like, on the same side of that coin, or on maybe the opposite side of that protect 18-year-old coin, or protect 18-year-olds coin, uh, I want them to not have really wild expectations of who and how they should be at the age that they are. Like, I was so thrilled at the part in the first episode where she puts on an insane amount of makeup and it just looks so young in that, like, I, I just love that because I feel like that is a phase that these days, I don't know if it's just the media I see or if it's just teens on TikTok or if it is legitimately like all teens now don't go through that awkward phase where they just suck at like expressing themselves with like makeup and clothes. Like they don't have the awkward phase. And I, I want them to have that and not, not in that like, well, I had it. So you have to have it kind of way, but in that, I don't know, don't feel pressure to do it right constantly the first time or like you don't have to know what contouring is when you're like a 16 year old person and you don't have to like wear the highest fashions wear whatever you think is cool like and fuck up and feel weird in whatever you picked in, on a particular day and wish that you hadn't worn that or maybe love it and wear it all the time and then 10 years later look back and decide if it was a great idea or not but like <laughs> go through your awkward phases and you also don't have to like have abs or a chiseled jaw or like I don't know you don't have to be shaped like a 30-year-old or a 25-year-old when you are and and dress like a 25-year-old when you're 18 years old, right? Like go through it, make mistakes, look kind of weird for a while. It's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> don't have to don't have like expectations that you have to to already be a certain way. Yeah. It's okay to be figuring things out. So yeah, on like the flip side of that, I don't like when we cast like 30-year-olds as 18-year-olds, and they have, like, yeah, the chiseled jaw and the, like, 
washboard abs and the, I don't know, just all of the things where it's like, all of the 18-year-olds I knew when I was 18 were lanky and a little bit awkward or like a little, like, it was just, no one had it figured out. (laughs) I feel like they did a good job of that with the soccer scene. Yeah, they did. I When they all- These dudes have eight packs. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Great. Because they're children and they don't need them. Yeah, that would be weird. Yeah. No, I I thought the same thing, too. When they were playing soccer, I was like, okay, they look a bit like they have, like, 18-year-old bodies. They're they're setting toned, but they're, yeah, they're not setting the bar way too high. They don't look like Dwayne Johnson for some reason. They don't look like (laughs) every character in Riverdale, which I loved Riverdale season one. I will not speak for the other seasons, but I liked the first season. Those aren't teenagers. I think the point of the show, which they've really doubled down on in the later seasons, is that these people are not real. They are they are almost like high fantasy character versions of high schoolers. So it's unreal when those people take their shirts off. They are like, oh, that dude's like ripped. Yeah. He's chiseled. Have you ever seen She's the Man? (laughs) Yeah. And I think Channing Tatum plays a high school soccer player (laughs) in that one. (laughs) When he's, like, in his late 20s and he is chiseled. And as a kid, I was like, oh, that's what high school or early college students are supposed to look like. And now as an adult, I'm like, oh, no, that's a a mess. That's not what they look like. (laughs) That is... Toxic media culture at it again. And then we've got Reply 1988 being like, no, no, kids are bad at things. Let kids be bad at things. Even if it's 30-year-olds playing kids, they're not going to be the hottest person you've ever seen by an unreasonable margin at this normal-ass high school. Yeah, they all have the awkward 80s haircuts and, um, except... Uh, Sung Duk Sung. Uh, she has like the perfect hair. It, her hair is so cute. I would have it today. Right? I do have it today. <laughs> and like, I saw a picture of her for her headshot on Asian Wiki, Hiri's headshot. And I was like, actually, I also want her other haircut, her actual hair, which is long and straight and just so shiny unbelievably so shiny, shiny. <laughs> then like i want that haircut now now that i have the haircut <laughs> from her like funny awkward stage quote unquote but uh we're good we're vibing we're fine i do think they did a really cute job of not having the grease effect where the people that especially the people that duck sung goes to school with are also very young and awkward looking. Yes. And they did at least call out that Sung No looks really old. They were, she was like, yeah, he's 17. He doesn't look, he looks like a 40 year old man, which I think is so funny. I thought that that was, there were a couple of times that I could tell that I didn't understand the joke. And then every once in a while they did or said something that I thought was peak comedy. When they had um, Dong Ryong running across the field in his uh, like the turtleneck, but it's not it's not like a full shirt. It's just like an it's just like a neck from a turtleneck. <laughs> neck. I 
lost my shit. It was so funny. <laughs> I think I laughed the entire sequence with Bora looking for her denim jacket because the musical cues <laughs> for her mom just feeling terror at her own daughter <laughs> and being like, we have to fix this. It goes straight from like a horror film to Mission Impossible. <laughs> I laughed the whole time. I laughed most of this show, like, out loud. I laughed for a lot of this, and I thought it was very surprising. What a joy. What a joy joy. of a little show. I remember thinking that Kim Sung Kyun, which is Jung Hwan's dad, I remember thinking that he was very exhausting when they first introduced him. Like, I enjoyed him, but I was also like, I get why the mom is annoyed. Up until... Uh, Duxon started uh, hyping him up like she's his bud. She thinks he's the funniest person in the whole block and they totally get each other and she is just as goofy as he is and that sold it for me. I was like, no, he should have a hype man and Duxon makes the perfect hype man. They're so cute together. It's like they, they're the only ones in the neighborhood who are watching SNL and just like yucking it up to the point where they memorize the skits and then act them out together. <laughs> and it's a lot. Yeah. You can, you can side with his wife for a little, a little bit and be like, that would get exhausting. But I love, I love that he has someone in his life who's like, I get it. These are good <laughs> jokes. These are solid jokes. They're so cute together. It's the all of the relationships in this show are so unbelievably charming. I they have me so so sold on this neighborhood and all these neighbors that just adore each other. Right? I love them. Even they at the end of the second episode, they have one of the dads, I think it's Duxon's dad, sit down with Park Bogum's character. Don't call him Park Bogum the whole time. His name is Take. Um, and be like, I guess you're my drinking buddy tonight. And I had that moment of being in the shoes of an awkward teen and having your friend's dad be like, let's chat. And you're like, I would rather die than just <laughs> sit with you in silence. <laughs> No, thank you. But they pulled it together. They were like, this is going to be one of those scenes that you remember for the rest of your life. How about that? And it's so good for both of them to just have that moment together. And you're like, how do do I get this? How do I get this for me and my kids? How do I have a neighborhood of adults and young adults who just vibe together, who can sit and have conversations? And just have so much love be in the air. I want that. Yes. I almost said that if, uh, like, as a separate perspective, if your dad, and pretty much only your dad, was like, sit down, we're going to talk, I would be like, <laughs> hell yeah, we are. <laughs> I love your dad. I love your dad's stories. I love. But I Aww. think then that actually makes mine and your dad's relationship more like uh, Dioxon and Sung. Kyun, where I'm just like hyping your dad up while he's telling me stories. I'm like, <laughs> I am ready. I, I just, your dad tells a great story. I'm always stoked to hear them. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, that's fair. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe I'm just the awkward one who's scared of, still scared of parents. Why? Mm-hmm. I'm an adult. I'm scared of parents retroactively. I feel like I always look back and I'm like, oh, yeah, I said something dumb. The, my best friend's parents probably hate me now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I just want to impress them too much. I don't know why I'm that guy. I'm like the suck-up friend who wants to be friends with everyone's. I just want everyone's parents to like me so much. It's ridiculous. That's fair, though. I saw a comedian say that the other day, and I was like, oh, that's a real thing that other people do? He was like, I spent so many of my younger years trying to get my friend's parents to like me better than their kids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's toxic, and I love it. (laughs) I wasn't quite at that level, but, you know, just just below. Yeah. Yeah, just I don't want to be one of the cousins. Yeah, I don't want to be loved as m- or more than their own kids. I just want to be loved like their kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty toxic still, I think. <laughs> I think that's still pretty problematic. I just want to have I'm I love my parents. They are the best parents. They are the parents for me. They raised me. I wouldn't want any other parents. But that said, uh, where there's heart room there's heart room heart wait i think i said that backwards either way i want a million (laughs) sets of parents right i just want every every set of parents that i can find yeah where there's heart room there's heart room yeah that's yes i don't know that phrase that's a terrible i think it's supposed to be where there's heart room there's hearth room like there's always space for everyone you know like there's always space for another set of parents is what I was trying to say, but <laughs> it's not good. I did a bad job. <laughs> <laughs> but you explained the concept well. So we got there. We got there together. <laughs> and uh, that's the theme of this show. They have so many genuine inter. I did. I definitely cried at the um, take conversation with uh, Duck Son's dad. I, that one got me. As soon as he talked about his mom. As soon as Tick talked about his mom, I was emotionally wasted. I was gone. 100%. Because you're waiting for, like, the answer. You're waiting for the answer, right? Of what moment hurts the most. And you know how badly Duck Son's dad just wants to know when is it going to stop hurting, essentially. He doesn't, he... He wants to be able to prepare himself for the moments when it's going to hurt real bad, for those big wins, for those big occasions that you're like, these these are when I miss my mom. And Take just hits him with the hard truth of like, no, it's going to be every day all the time forever. Constantly. I think so for both of them, for both of them, you cry. Oh my God. I think they broke me. When Big Uncle showed up at the funeral, and everyone started crying like babies, and then I just didn't really stop crying for the rest of the episode. That's also fair. I did also cry very hard at that part. Um, It just got me. Something about the whole framing of the grandparent, losing a grandparent, was... It's already pretty relatable, but for whatever reason, the way they laid it out, um, I don't know. It just... I was really devastated pretty much that whole time. Because I think they get you just, maybe this is just me, just to the brink of getting annoyed at Doc's son and her being like almost selfishly sad, where she's like, nobody else is sad. 
nobody else is crying enough for my beloved grandma. And you're like, you don't get to be the king of sadness just because you're being the most outwardly sad. And they get you to that point where you're just almost mad at her. And then she sees how everybody else is just barely holding it together. And she's like, oh, okay, so I wasn't the king of sadness. Okay, I was just crying the loudest, but everybody else was really, really sad. Okay, that's my bad, that's on me. And you're like, yeah, bud, big growing (laughs) moment here. (laughs) You don't get Uh, to be mad at your dad for not crying enough, okay? Yeah, I do really love the monologues. As well. That is also very Wonder Years. Like, they have framed this whole show in a very... Did you watch the Wonder Years? No, I don't know and... what the reference is. Is that a show? Oh, you don't even know the reference? No. Um, shoot. Okay, so the Wonder Years is a show that was popular, I believe, in the 80s. Like, it was a little ahead of my time, but I remember, like, my parents putting it on sometimes, and I would watch it with them. And it was starring... Fred Savage, who is the older brother of Ben Savage, who you might know from Boy Meets World. Ben Savage played the uh, the boy okay. in Boy Meets World. Uh, he was Corey. But his older brother is in The Wonder Years, and he did his own, like, those two brothers did their own, like, coming-of-age type shows. What? Um, but the older brothers uh, was just, like, maybe a, it came out I'd say probably not quite a decade before, if I had to guess, before Boy Meets World started. So in the 80s, but it was like mid-late 80s. Uh, But it was about a family in the, I want to say, 60s. That it it was like a cul-de-sac in the 60s. And um, they taught, like, it was very similar to this where it's like the neighbor kids all knew each other and were friends it was the wonder years it was the 60s and they like and it was narrated by ben savage so he was like the main character and then he would have these same kind of like little monologues where he would talk about um you know like what was going on at the time and and stuff like that and like uh, it was. It had such a similar vibe to where it like would make reference to things that were happening in like the particular like how this talks a lot about like the first episode the Olympics was happening in Seoul and the there was I'm pretty sure the Vietnam War happening during the Wonder Years so I hope I got those dates right the Vietnam War was in the 60s wasn't it failing I'm U.S. Say history 68 but we're taking a guess. It would almost be better if I didn't look it up and realize what it was. Um, it was, like, the whole 60s, apparently. What? Because what it says here is that the Vietnam War was a conflict in Vietnam, Laos, and Cambodia from the 1st of November 1955 to the fall of Saigon on uh, 30th of April 1975. What? Yeah, so I don't know when we got involved, though. Like, when we being the United... When the United States... Yeah, we clearly not being Raquel and I, because we just learned (laughs) what years this even happened. It might have been... So maybe the Wonder Years takes place in the 50s or 60s. I'm not entirely sure. But I know it's kind of like that mid-century time range. Um, And, yeah, they talk about events that are, like, real-time events. But then it's, like, this this young boy, like, this 10-year-old boy, 10, 12, 
who's growing up at this time and remembering like what it felt like to grow up in just like a cul-de-sac in in the mid-century and it's really really nice just like this show i've talked about it for way too long um but it gives very similar vibes very very similar vibes that sounds so cute it's good yeah those are good vibes all i'm getting from this show is good vibes it's all very sweet and lighthearted, and I just want to watch it forever and disassociate from the real world. <laughs> and I want nothing yes. to change. I think my heart will break if anything changes in in these <laughs> 20 episodes. Don't change anything. Just keep it all exactly the same. The grandma was the most you could take from me. Yep. You cannot take an- another character. You've all- There's already too much. This is... This whole show is already such a it's time to call your mom vibe, like many K-dramas are, but this show is driving it home hard. Every episode, they're like, hey, it's time to call your mom. (laughs) And your dad. reminded you? It's time to call your mom. But also the vibe is like, it's time to call your mom because her marriage is broken. There is no such thing as a good marriage. These are all... (laughs) Just two people who do not know each other somehow mm-hmm. together. They're struggling. <laughs> um, yeah, the there's a couple of things where... So I do want to talk about a couple of... They're not even drawbacks because they're good story points, but they're, they are things that make me cringe. And yes, it is the <laughs> all of the marriages in the show. Very tough. Um, also, all of the conversations that the women have together, like the moms. Oh my god. I'm really glad they have each other to like talk to each other about stuff. I am devastated every time one of them like rubs it in the other one's face that like, like whenever, um, Sun Wu's mom is like, yeah, well, my kid tells me everything and I guess Jung Hwan just sucks and hates you. Because uh, <laughs> he doesn't want to talk. Because he's a surly teenager. Because there's no like advice given. There's no uh, help. It's all just like I don't know. My son likes me, and I guess it's just because I'm a good mom. And maybe there's something about you that he hates. But yeah, it seems like your son just sucks. But anyways, my son really likes me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Oh, you guys, you can't do this. This sucks. I, can you guys talk to each other like you like each other, please, for once? Yeah, please be nice to each other and support each other and don't make your families your competition points because that is toxic. That is toxic. But yeah, I think this show does a respectable job of being like, that's just how things are. It's not good, but it's just how things are. And it does in its own way make people change and act because we do we do get Jung Hwan's mom saying I'm sick and tired of Sun Woo's mom rubbing it in my face that I don't talk to you about anything so she does she goes to her son and says we gotta talk more just think of like one thing every day that you can tell me about your life and that would make me feel like a better mom because right now I feel like I suck as a mom and like I said, it's not a great method no. that that pushed her to that point, but it's good. It's a good outcome. Yeah. I do also wish that she could have framed it a little bit better. Like, hey, I want to know about your life because 
you're my kid and I like you, not necessarily because it embarrasses me when I hang out with my friends that I don't know shit about shit with your life. That's tough. (laughs) But again, I feel like that's the world that he's in too. So I feel like he would appreciate the competition more than he would appreciate his mom's feelings. Which sucks to say, but I think if she was just like, hey, I love you and I want to be closer, he'd be like, that's gross, mom. That's gross. But if she's like, hey, I want to win this contest for how well I know my son, he'd be like, respect, I'm listening. What was the contest? (laughs) And he might actually help. He might engage with that. So I liked it. I liked it in its own weird way. Play on K will be right back. Hey listeners, I just wanted to hop in and tell you about our new affiliate, Soulbox. It's a subscription box where you get snacks and things straight from Korea. We're so excited to be affiliated with them now. If you're looking for additional ways to support our little podcast, then go to playonk.com affiliates and look for Soulbox and buy through our link. Okay, back to the show. But yeah, the friendship between the moms is real hard to watch and then it even yeah their relationship with their husbands and then we get takes dad coming in and they're all like that dude's freaking weird but i guess we hang out with him oh man you can't just pretend to be nice to him he seems like a nice shy man yeah he's very he and take both kind of i like that that there was a moment where we drove home that take does enjoy being around his friends because they are so much and he is so reserved that there were a couple of times where I was like, is is he not consenting to being in this friendship and he's being forced into a situation that he doesn't want to be in? Or is he good? Like, is he good? And then yeah. they gave his whole backstory where it was like, he's always been quiet, but he's always been there. And we've always been there for him when when push comes to shove. So... He does want to be here. He's just he's just a quiet guy. That's yeah. just his face. It's it made it made you question like has he moved away? Has he outgrown them almost? Where they're still pretty immature, hanging out, doing shenanigans, and he's off traveling the world, representing his country and his skills in this game. And he's like, nope, I'm still a kid. I still like these guys, and they're kind of the only friends I've ever had because now I'm in a world of professionals where I don't get to just be a kid and this is good for me. You're like, okay, take as long as things are safe. I'm happy for you. Yeah. And he like drinks with the friends at the very end, which is nice. Um and I yeah. I I am excited to see more of his character because it does feel like him not being in the first episode and then him being such a reserved person. There's I feel like we've gotten so little of him that I'm, like, ready for for more. I want to see more about him. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like he gives good boy vibes, where we also didn't get a lot of Dong Nyong, the guy with glasses. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't give as strong of good boy vibes. Like, I think I said, I read the show description, and it said that he was the one who seems like a nerd, but he's very knowledgeable about women and about life and watching the show. Like, obviously, we're only two episodes in, but I was like, did you mean he's knowledgeable about 
porn and like doing illegal activities is that what you're trying to say that he's the quote-unquote most adult of them because I thought you meant he went on a lot of dates but it seems like you meant he's good at getting illicit materials um, for the rest of the group which they're all into it so that's great he's not a black sheep but uh, I guess I got different vibes from this character than what, what we're given. And I guess that's the point. He's just yeah. a wild card. Yeah. We haven't got... I Yeah, I don't have a beat on him very well. Uh, I do feel like Sun Woo, we got a solid amount of. Like, he's the, yeah. he's the very good boy who's who's not reserved. He's, like, the, the perfect son. And then, like, Jung Hwan, who I like, but I'm also... I think that surly teenagers just scare me. Like, I don't know what to think about them. <laughs> and so he's so surly and quiet and reserved that I'm like, hey, is he actually okay? Or d- is anyone, does he just, is he up in his own head about being like communicative? Or is that like, <laughs> is that fine? I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do with him because I can't tell if he's quiet, but he's fine or if he's quiet. And moody, but, like, not fine. (laughs) Yeah. My impression is that he's quiet, but he's fine. Because he has all these good friends around him. And he seems to interact with them very normally. Yeah. But I do think with other characters... With shows about young people, you kind of see them as adults. Especially in this, like, age bracket where they're between, like, 17 and 19, it's just easier to see them as adults, see their behaviors and choices as, like, them becoming adults and being the surly one screams immaturity to me. So it's hard not to be like... And he's kind of the baby of the group in that he acts like a big, giant baby when he's at home with his mom. (laughs) Because he has not matured enough to speak like a human to the woman who raised him. So, <laughs> in that way, he feels a little bit behind. I agree. I agree where I'm like, it's okay to just, like, talk and talk about your... I guess it's that thing where, like, when people are emotionally unavailable, I have no time for it. And being emotionally unavailable is, like, peak moody teenager. And so I'm like, yes. I don't have time for this. <laughs> I don't have time for this. But also, I think they do a good job of giving us enough of the parents' lives that they're not helicopter parents. She's not, like, my... Like, she cares that her son doesn't talk to her, but she's not, like, my entire self-identity is wrapped up in getting my sons to acknowledge me. And, like, thank God, because they would never. But uh, it feels fine. It feels like he can grow out of it. He's got time, and his... His family will be fine. His friends will be fine. So I guess he can be this sullen boy for our for our drama. <laughs> you just want him to grow out of it. And you want him to be nice to his mom because his mom's <laughs> kind of pitiful sometimes. Yeah. And she's trying. She's trying. But her husband's such a weirdo. <laughs> her sons are both weird. And she's just like... <laughs> I just want to brag about you all to the neighborhood people, but God, you're all weird. <laughs> it's just so hard to do with you people. <laughs> it's so hard to do. <laughs> um, 
So I have three other things that I really want to talk about, but I know we've gone a really long time, so I wanted to see what else you wanted to talk about. Okay, I only have one other thing, which I want to do it now because I don't want to leave off on it. It's maybe negative, but we also don't have to talk about it for a long time because it hasn't actually happened. It just seems like the premise of this show is that four teenage boys maybe discover that they're starting to fall for their best friend, their one female friend, and... That's not an uncommon trope in TV, but it's not one that I like. It usually turns into like a gladiator style. We duke it out and see who deserves to ask her out. We give her no choice or <laughs> autonomy in this in this perceived relationship. And then uh, we all fall apart. We bring apart the friend group. And I don't think that's going to happen, but it's... A path that has been mentioned when they all were like, she's pretty, except Sullen Boy, who was like, she's not pretty. You guys are disgusting, which is hilarious. And I love yeah. that for him. But yeah. um, I'm worried. It made me worried. I was like, I don't want this show to be four dudes fighting over one girl. Yeah, I also don't want it to be, I would like it if they very early on settled on just one person and it could be kind of about the changing friendship because of these two people who start to fall in love. Um, cause we know she marries one of them. Yeah. Uh, I like the mystery of it where it's like, who's it going to be? But yeah, I don't want it to be a competition. I think it's fine if it's like a, who's it going to be? And we go back and forth, but not because there's any like deep feelings that develop, but just because they're all young and figuring things out. And sometimes like, there's some really genuine moments that we could all read into as viewers, but what they really are is just like solid moments between friends. And when you move past them and find out who it really is in the end, you're like, no, it's just like really sweet that they could have those moments together. And it wasn't like a romance or like a sexual thing. So I like that would be fine with me. But I agree that if it becomes like, all of them are into her and they decide who deserves her or some shit. I don't know. That's just a lot to me. And I hope, I know it won't go that way, but I also don't know because I haven't seen it. So yeah. So giving it the benefit of the doubt. Giving it the benefit of the doubt. Good vibes only. It'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to put that out there. It does go into one of the things I wanted to talk about where I, I think it would be fun if in this first episode, we called out who we thought the one she ends up with is, uh, since it's like a big fun mystery. Um, and I know who I think it is, and I know the reasons, but I was wondering <laughs> if you have thought about it at all, or if you... I, I'm gonna put my money on Jung Hwan, the moody one. That's who I thought, too. I think it's going to be... Because I think it was a red herring that he says that he doesn't think that she's pretty at all. And I think that the way that the actor, the adult actor that plays whoever she ends up with was being was very Jung Kwan. It didn't seem like anyone else. It would be a very defeated Sun Woo. <laughs> yeah. A Sun Woo who got, to, got into a relationship and just became... Like Jung Hwan. The worst version of himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. Or, yeah, like it was a reserved person, but not reserved in the same way that 
Take is. Like, because Take is more just like, he's just quiet, but he doesn't seem like upset or moody about it. He's just like hanging out being quiet. Yeah, he's he's very calm in his quiet. And then Dong Nyong would have been wearing glasses. He wore glasses as a kid. He's wearing glasses as a teenager. We know if he's ever in a flash or a flash forward, if he's ever in the future scenes, he's going to be wearing glasses. He's a glasses guy. That's how you tell the characters apart. <laughs> One of them wears glasses. That's just a classic TV move. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's got to be Jung Hwan. I don't know how I feel about that yet, because like I said, he's really the only one that, it's not even that I dislike him, I like him just fine, but that emotional unavailability is like wasted on me, where I'm like, no, that's not good enough for me. You have to be like vulnerable sometimes with people. Otherwise, like, I don't know, it just feels like it's going to be too sad for... (laughs) But this this series is so long. He's got yeah. so much room to grow. And he I does. think I would have maybe... I think they give clues of like, yeah, he's clearly the most emotionally unavailable, but he's not unreasonable, especially towards yeah. her, especially towards Doc Sun. I think of the Hanbok scene, which is one of those other laugh out loud scenes yeah. where she's like, don't I look a little bit beautiful? And he's like, you do not. Absolutely not. But then all of her <laughs> other male friends say the same thing. So it never feels like she's being singled out as like the target of Jung Hwan's meanness or sulkiness, yeah. which would be frustrating. That would be like a very, very immature relationship, the kind of pulling of the pigtails type of relationship. But as it stands, it seems like things between him and his friends, including Duxon, are very chill and even. Yeah. And and they're good. Like he he stuck up for Sunwoo even though he was like, can't you just take the necklace off? But when push came to shove, he threw punches. Oh, that was so good. Oh, that was so good. I hope that doesn't come back to bite them. But God, that felt good. Yeah, I liked that. I really liked that that best friend. That was so 80s, too. Like, that was such an 80s, like, best friends against the bully kind of vibe. I just love it. I love it so much. Um, Shoot. Okay, there was two other things. Okay. Or maybe just one, because now I'm forgetting. Oh, well, one of them just... Again, we don't have to talk about it for long. We can just mention it, say our piece. Bora is so difficult. Um, and <laughs> oh, this kind of works into the next, like, thing that I want to talk about. But it's just wild how, like, controlling and psychotic they made her. And I'm wondering if it's because th- the narrator we have is... Maybe it's, like, an unreliable narrator situation. Oh. Um, because I do not like her at all. But also, we're getting a lot, like, this is sort of being framed as, like, the story being told by by Duxon. So. That's a good point. Because, yeah, I think it is almost weird how she's framed as this very successful, like, quote-unquote successful student who's in the most prestigious university in the country studying an incredibly difficult subject and she's also like an a 
activist. She's very aware, like political stuff. And like that part of her is super dope. I love it. But the only times we see her at home, she's yelling, just like fighting with everybody all the time. And it's almost unreasonable. It's almost unbelievable that this person could achieve anything with their lives. (laughs) You're like, when did she study? When was she not screaming at someone long enough to study something? But I think to your point, if Doc Sun is the narrator, as we've seen her to be, if she's kind of writing this whole show, then she would write Bora as only screaming all the time. Constantly. And like beating her up and talking to her parents like like they are also not worth her time and that's really tough. <laughs> Oh, I hated the glasses conversation. It's, yeah. Oh, it almost, I was going to say it made me hate her forever, but then I really liked when she was like, you're being brainwashed into liking the Olympics to distract us from the real problems in Korea. And I was like, oh, <laughs> god dang it. Now I like you again. Like, same. That's actually what I tell my parents. <laughs> <laughs> you're being brain. No, I don't. I don't have that conversation because it would definitely be a fight. <laughs> Yeah, it would definitely not end well. <laughs> Yelling you're being brainwashed at someone usually doesn't end with like a normal <laughs> peaceful conversation. No. But uh what I did think was interesting about the whole Bora thing and just the show in general was how well they did the middle child storyline. Cause I think that they could have played it off as like she was being unreasonable, she was just being a middle child, but it like really did suck. The, the main part of it was that her family didn't seem to see what was happening. Like, that was the the main part. It wasn't that it was happening. It was that they were, like, blind to how much she was giving up as the middle child. And I just thought that they did a really good job of not making that storyline feel too trivial. Like, it felt yeah. real. I was sad for her. It's, yeah, I think it's a tough balance because... I'm a middle child. I've talked about having middle child syndrome on this podcast before. I felt for her in a lot of those moments. But then a lot of it, especially with the fights between her and her sister and the parents just so clearly giving preferential treatment to the other two kids, felt like it got so extreme sometimes that I was like, okay, I'm out. My parents weren't total monsters but again that could be an unreliable narrator thing where she just remembers all of these things that her parents did that made her feel like she was a third-rate kid because I feel like when they talk about her like at the funeral her dad's like this is my oldest and she's great and this is my second oldest and she's amazing and then this is my youngest and he's cool too and it's a very equal treatment And, like, the breakfast thing, her mom is like, I know you love beans, so here's this for you. I made it special. And she's like, Mom, I hate this. But she never told her. Like, she didn't tell her until her explosion. So it felt, like I said, it's a tough balance where I I felt for her in a lot of moments. When her family leaves her to die of carbon monoxide poisoning, you can feel for her. But in other moments, you're like, you might be overthinking that one. Yeah. The two birthday cakes thing. It's hard. I think it's it's fair that she's like, I've told you a million times that I want two birthday cakes. I want my own. But, like, your family's poor, so maybe just suck it up. Yeah. Or, like, 
Maybe they could, like, find some kind of compromise where they do cupcakes or something. Yeah. I don't know. Is there something just, else we can do to please you both? Yeah. Where, where two people get two separate birthdays on the actual day that they happen and get to be celebrated in their own way, not at the cost of two full birthdays within days of each other when we're financially strapped. Because it also seemed like Bo-Ra got a gift and Doksan didn't. Where they yeah. were like, we can afford these glasses, but Bora's definitely also getting cake. We wouldn't not give her cake. You're like, what if you just gave her glasses and Duck Sun cake? I don't know. Can we not yeah. be a little more creative? <laughs> Something. Something. But yeah, I I was back and forth with that one where I tried to be like, I get it. Being a middle child sucks. It's really hard. But then being like, your family's also very extreme. They're, they left you to actually die. So yeah. maybe I don't relate as much as I thought I would. <laughs> maybe this is, maybe we are not the same. We are not the same. <laughs> uh, was that all your notes? Or did you have a third yeah. one? Okay, okay. Yep. This show is so cute. It is. I'm having I'm a good time. <laughs> I thought 90 minutes would be harder, but I think it's one of those very rare shows where I check to see how much time is left. And sometimes I get excited by how much time is left. Yeah. Like, there's a lot left, and you're like, yes. Instead of like, oh my god, why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like, oh my god, why? But every so often, I'm like, oh, there's still 15 more minutes. Nice. Get to yeah. spend a little more time with these people. I had the same feeling. I, I am usually very overwhelmed. When I first saw it was 90 minutes, I was very overwhelmed. But it went by so quickly. Yeah. Oh, if you've been enjoying the show and want to let us know what you think, don't send us spoilers, but just tell us, like, anything you love about this show, anything you're loving, anything at all, send it to playonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, or comment on our episodes or find a bunch of other things on our website, um, like our affiliate links for Skillshare if you want to learn a new skill, for NordVPN if you'd like to secure your presence on the internet, as well as maybe find some K-dramas that aren't licensed in your region, and Blueberry Podcasting if you're starting a podcast and you want to know where to get started, that is a great place. And you can find all of those links at playonk.com. Yeah! If you want to sign up for our Patreon to get the longer edit of this episode where we have our pre-show ramble mess, as well as get access to polls so you can vote on what we watch next in 10 years whenever we finish this drama, that's all at patreon.com slash playonk. Yeah, and then we have the freest way, if you're not ready to to do the money way to support us. We totally understand everyone's financial situation is different, but the freest way to support us is commenting, rating, reviewing, subscribing, whatever it is, wherever you listen to us. Uh, so, like, if you don't listen to us through the website, but, like, through Spotify or something else, dropping that rating and review really helps us out. It helps other K-drama podcast listeners find us. Yeah, if you want to give us a hey, we are on Twitter at PlayOnK, on Instagram at PlayOnK Podcast, and on TikTok at PlayOnK underscore Emily. Yeet. Thanks so much um, for listening, and we'll see you guys next week for the next two episodes of Reply 1988. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.
Bye, Dad, bye, bye.